Welcome, everyone. I'm Kim Christensen, and this is the Peaceful Productivity Podcast, where I share strategies to help you get the most out of your time and feel better in the process. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Peaceful Productivity Podcast. Today, I wanted to start off with a bit of a story. I was sitting in a project meeting the other day, and we were assigning tasks, and the question kept coming up, well, how long will this take? It got me to thinking about estimation, and how many times have we been sitting in a meeting, either with our boss or our colleagues or our clients, and the question always comes up, how long will this take, or when will this be ready? Or maybe you've decided to get more intentional about your calendar and you've created some weekly planning sessions and you're asking yourself that question, how long will something take? Well, it turns out that many of us are not really great at estimation and it brings to mind the cognitive bias work that was put forward by Daniel Kahneman in 1979. In the study, they asked university students to estimate how long it would take to complete their senior thesis. And the best case scenario offered by the students was 27 days. The worst case scenario was 48 days. And on average, it was about 34 days. And when they compared that to actuals, in reality, it took the students 55 days seven days longer than the worst case scenario. And from this study, they put forward the idea of the planning fallacy. And so the planning fallacy is the tendency to underestimate the time and resources and the negative consequences associated with completing a task or accomplishing a goal. I think an awareness of the planning fallacy can be really, really helpful because it helps us to have some understanding of why we might have a tendency to underestimate how long things take. And it also helps us to stop beating up on ourselves when we know that this is a cognitive bias that many, many people share, then we're less likely to think that there's something wrong with our ability to plan or wrong with us as planners. The planning fallacy actually shows up in almost all areas of life. I think one of the most famous examples is the projections for building the Sydney Opera House. Side note, the Sydney Opera House is amazing. I've been there. It's gorgeous. What's fascinating is that the Sydney Opera House took 10 years longer than originally estimated and cost a hundred million dollars more than expected and it ended up being smaller than it was originally planned it applies to very large projects but it can also apply to smaller projects and even tasks that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis even tasks that we do routinely so today what I'd like to talk about are some of the unintended consequences and how it might show up in your own life. And then what I'd like to offer 
are some strategies to help you get better at estimation. So what are the unintended consequences of underestimating or overestimating? So I've noticed that there's one of two consequences, either underplanning or overplanning. So when we're consistently challenged with estimating, what we might end up doing is just giving up on planning altogether. So under planning, telling ourselves that nothing ever goes to plan anyway, so there's no point in making a plan. Or when I make a plan, it just gets derailed and I can't get back on track. So there's no point. And when we give up on planning altogether, we're under planning, what can happen is that we find ourselves in a bit of a reactive mode. We get into this space where we're always putting out fires, apologizing for delays, and dining on a constant diet of stress and adrenaline. And what that results in is that we're completely worn out by the end of the day because we're unconsciously taking on more and more and more and consistently feeling more and more behind. So that's one unintended consequence of estimation challenges is underplanning. The other unintended consequence is overplanning. This is where we spend more time on creating the plan than we do on executing the plan. So we're spending lots and lots of time creating meticulous, rigid plans to consider every single contingency from this fear of encountering the unexpected, this fear of potentially over-promising and under-delivering, which stems from our estimation challenges. So then the more time we spend on planning, the less time we can spend on actually getting things accomplished. And this creates a snowball effect of feeling pressured and guilt. So there are three strategies that I like to employ to help me better estimate and create a plan that's more reasonable for me to execute on. So these three strategies are number one, getting clear on the objective. Number two, estimating based on actual data. And number three, treating my schedule like an experiment. So the first strategy is getting really clear on the objective, on the deliverable. What exactly do you want to have accomplished by the end of this time frame? You can ask yourself, what does success look like? And a related note here is around deadlines. If you find that you're the type of person who responds really well to deadlines, you're not alone in that. Deadlines can help us to anchor our predictions. So when we're creating a plan with a very general, vague sense of when we want it to be completed, then it makes it really hard to reverse engineer and work backwards from that deadline. However, when there's a deadline imposed, if you'll recall back to when you were in school and the, the essay had to be completed by a certain time frame, it was very helpful in terms of understanding how much time you needed to dedicate to the tasks 
required to complete the overall project in advance of the deadline. And so if you find deadlines really helpful in terms of creating um, a plan for yourself, then you can set those deadlines for yourself. And what I like to do is I like to set the deadline for myself and I also like to communicate it to others who may have some stake in the outcome. So what that might look like is if I want to create a webinar before I even draft the content for the webinar, I will communicate the date that I plan to launch the webinar. That way I have something to work backwards from in terms of creating a plan on what that webinar will entail. If you find it easier to meet deadlines set by other people and challenging to meet deadlines that you create for yourself, that might be a really interesting area for exploration. From a place of curiosity, it would be interesting to ask yourself, why is it that I struggle to meet the deadlines that I set for myself while the deadlines that are imposed upon me, I tend to have no problem following through on? So that first strategy was getting clear on the objective and also in defining the timeline. Once you have the timeline, you have the steps involved in what's required, it's much easier to allocate time to that and understand how much time needs to be dedicated even on a daily basis to creating and completing that goal. The next strategy is to create estimations based on actual data. We first need to track it it also requires a practice of objective reflection. So what I like to do is I like to do a bit of a controlled experiment, preferably with a single regularly occurring task. So for example, with my podcast. Since I release podcast episodes every week, for one week I track all of the time that I spend on that podcast regardless of what stage it's at. So whether I am researching it, maybe I'm drafting an outline, maybe I'm recording it, editing it, maybe I'm publishing it and creating awareness around it. All of those different activities around the podcast, I'm tracking the time around that. And that exercise alone can be very, very insightful. It's so interesting to see, especially when I do this more than once, that the things that I thought were one-off interruptions, one-off distractions, in fact, create an average that is much longer than what I had originally estimated just when I was going off the top of my head. Once you've got those numbers, you can make some observations and draw some conclusions based on that. One of the things that I realized at this stage when I was looking back at my podcast is that it takes a lot longer to edit a podcast than I had originally thought. I minimized that time required in my brain for so long 
And what I realize now is that editing actually takes twice as long as recording. But the only reason that I came to that conclusion is because I had some of the actual data in front of me to support that conclusion. So once you've got the actual findings, then you can use those numbers to project and plan for the upcoming week. Some tips that I'll offer in terms of scheduling your week, tasks that you've never done before, it can be helpful to overestimate the amount of time required and build in some buffers. One caveat to that is that that works really well when you're just starting out this experiment or when you've never done a task before so you don't have data in order to support your conclusions. However, I don't rely on it as a practice. And the reason why is because I can find my perfectionist tendencies will manifest themselves when I give myself too much time. So it's kind of like a goldfish that grows to the size of its fishbowl. If I give myself regularly too much time to complete something, I'll use all of that time. The more time you spend on something doesn't necessarily equate to better quality. We call this the law of diminishing returns. There's a finite amount of resources. There's a finite amount of attention and energy that we can spend on a task. And the more those resources get depleted, the less quality that we're actually producing and the more time it takes. So to get from zero to 80% quality might take us an hour. To get from 80% to 100% might take another hour. Less and less quality, and we're spending more and more time on it. So the objective here is to find the sweet spot. What I like to do is I like to set a goal for myself to complete 80% quality in the least amount of time. This can help me to both get started on a task and it can also help me to stay on track and complete the bulk of the work in the least amount of time. The other tips for planning are to include obstacles in your plan and also include transition time in your plan. These are the two most common mistakes that I see are that we plan for the optimal state so we assume no interruptions, no delays, no distractions, and we also don't factor in transition time. We might think, oh, I have to be at this appointment at 8 a.m. and forget to schedule in the commute time, the time it takes to actually leave the house, find a parking spot, get a parking ticket, and enter the building and arrive for the appointment at the designated time. An interesting side note here is to take a look at your relationship with arriving early. When I think about arriving early, what comes up for me is this fear of wasted time. The idea of waiting for an appointment to start or someone to arrive feels like time that I could have utilized to do something else. 
So if your thought is that being early means waiting and wasted time, you might want to take a look at what's underneath that. On some level, we might even have the belief that it's better to be late than it is to waste time and be early. It sparks a really interesting conversation around wasted time. For me, I started thinking about what is wasted time? Is it even possible to waste time? I think on some level, we might believe that wasting time is akin to losing time. And although intellectually we know that we don't lose time, there can be a real aversion to wasted time in the sense that it feels like it's, we're losing it. It's coming from this real scarcity place. And it speaks to your overall relationship with time, which is really fun to explore. I think most of us think about time as linear or scarce. It's an interesting question to take a look at. What if you thought of time as fluid and abundant? How would you show up differently? I think I'll do a future podcast episode on that topic because it really illustrates how our relationship with time can influence how we're showing up and has this trickle effect into all aspects of our life and how we experience all of the different activities in our lives. So the last strategy is around treating your schedule like an experiment. I've worked with a lot of people who've used a variety of different time management programs. Getting Things Done by David Allen, Monday Hour One from the Life Coach School, even Agile Project Management. There's a lot of different methods by which we can organize our time and utilize those things that work best for us. But no matter what program you use, I'll encourage you to think about your schedule as an experiment. This is something that has benefited me greatly because the moment I start to think of my schedule as an all or nothing proposition, I get kind of sucked into that black or white thinking. It's got to be this way or it's going to be completely derailed. I get into that rigid mindset around my plan and I'm tempted to either go to the place of over planning or under planning those places that I talked about in the beginning. And so when I treat my schedule like an experiment and I use real actual data to inform my decisions about what I'm going to do and my prioritization and how I'm going to plan for the future, when I use actual data and do it in stages and iterate on it, I feel like I'm much more flexible and open to trying new things and to making mistakes. The moment I think about it as an all or nothing type of proposition, it's got to go this way or I have to throw out the whole plan, that's when I get kind of stuck. So those are the three strategies for mitigating for the planning fallacy. And those three strategies are get clear on the objectives. Number two is estimate based on actual data. And number three, treat your schedule like an ongoing experiment. To help you get better at estimation, I've created a flexible planning tool. 
and I've included a link to it on my website, financialwellnesscoach.ca. So if this is a topic that interests you, I'll invite you to check that out. Have a great day, everyone. For anyone looking for more information on how to create peaceful productivity, I'll invite you to check out my website, financialwellnesscoach.ca. Take care.